Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all very, very well on this Saturday evening. Two weeks to Christmas Day. Rory here with you until 7 o'clock on the bench and a packed hour of sport coming your way here on Cork's Red FM. Coming up, we are going to talk to new Cork City sounding Rory Keating about why he, why he chose the Rebel Army for 2022. We're going to talk to Conan Byrne, the uh, former Shelburne star, about his uh, crossbar challenge for Make-A-Wish. Going to hear from uh, Johan van Graan, the Munster boss ahead of the Champions Cup tomorrow and all the tumult, I suppose, over the, um, the amount of players that they have unavailable to them tomorrow for that game and we're going to preview more Nabby's Monster Final as well you're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM not even sure tumult is a word but we'll get there anyway you know what I meant we're here with you until 7pm if you want to get in touch 0868104106 and uh, you can tweet us as well at Big Red Bench if you want to get in touch with the show a lot to cover over the next so we're going to wrap up all today's action first and uh, a great win today for Corsi Rovers in the Munster Intermediate Club hurling Championship Finals they beat Mungret St Paul's with just a single point after extra time in the Gaelic Rounds finished Corsi's 118 Mungret 117 in football and Manchester United and Norwich still score at the Carroll Road 31 minutes on the clock there elsewhere Stephen Gerrard returning to Anfield today as Aston Villa manager but it was Liverpool who got all three points Shane Pennington well, the ice were on Stephen Gerrard as he made his first return to Anfield. But once again, it was Mo Salah who stole the headlines as the Egyptians' penalty equaled the club record for the hosts of scoring in 31 consecutive games. It wasn't a classic Liverpool display, but they got the job done against an Aston Villa side who, in truth, rarely threatened. Whilst they restricted Liverpool to few chances, they didn't create enough as Stephen Gerrard suffered a second defeat in five games. The win leaves Liverpool a point behind the leaders as we head into the busy festive period. Liverpool won. Well, Jared certainly got a warm reception before and after the game as well, which he was certainly very appreciative of. Look, it was always going to be an emotional one. I think everyone on the outside can understand that. I certainly respect that there was going to be some noise around the game. But for me, it was about the first whistle and really focusing on the job I had to do here. But obviously very much um, appreciate the support and the bond that I still have with the Liverpool fans. So Liverpool still within a point of Manchester City, the leaders after that game today. Jurgen Klopp says he was happy with his team, but then they scored. Go one nil up, and then the game um, yeah, opens up. Let me say it like this: um, they changed a little bit, but we changed too much. We we lost the rhythm, and that's the problem in football. If you lose the rhythm, it's difficult to get it back. So you better hold it from the beginning. Arsenal defeated Southampton today, Mike Lawrence. This was another confident home display from Arsenal, now unbeaten in nine at the Emirates and having kept a clean sheet in their last four. The performance settled any early doubts with the news Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang had been dropped from the squad for a disciplinary breach. Manager Mikel Arteta refusing to be drawn any further after the game. Southampton manager Ralph Hasenudel is concerned about his mounting injuries and said after conceding the first goal easily, the difference in class was there for all to see. Arsenal 3, Southampton 0. 
Chelsea and Leeds uh, was uh, in action today with Chelsea with a late win today Ian Beach Chelsea 3 Leeds 2 it's all over Jorginho scoring two penalties for Chelsea the last one in the 94th minute which proved to be the winner Leeds are taking the lead in the first half Rafinha with a penalty given after a VAR review makes him out equalised before half time for Chelsea in the second half Jorginho put Chelsea 2 and up with a penalty but Gelhart equalised for Leeds and then in that 94th minute Jorginho put the ball away it finishes Chelsea 3 leads 2 and the early kick off today was Man City's win over Wolves Darren Stanich City 1 Wolves nil. well Wolves had a game plan to come to the Etihad and frustrate and in the first half that very much worked however two yellows in a minute for Raul Jimenez saw them having to play the second half with 10 men and it was just too much although the only goal of the game came from a harshly awarded penalty converted by Sterling his 100th Premier League goal Pep Guardiola was pleased his side won when not at their best 24 shots and just one goal not the most ruthless of conversion rates Wolves will wonder what might have been if they hadn't lost their man advantage and their squad certainly not impressed with the penalty wall but Bruno Large will take some comfort from their defending today with kind of fixtures on the way for Wolves so six league wins in a row now for Manchester City their boss Pep Guardiola doesn't reckon the scoreline reflects his side's dominance today we concede one chance in 93-94 minutes again and we we create enough you know to score the goals but we were not clinical enough to, to convert I should just go back to Arsenal and uh, Mikel Arteta, the Gunners' boss, refused to talk about his captain Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang following today's win. The striker dropped for today's match because of a disciplinary breach. He spoke to Sky Sports News afterwards, but Arteta wanted to focus on his side's impressive performance. We were much more aggressive with our decision-making attack. Our counter-press was good, uh, scored the second, the third, have some really, really strong spells, so in general very very happy with the performance and, and the results and as I mentioned still scores between Norwich and Manchester United 36 minutes on the clock there at Carroll Road going to talk rugby and a great win for uh, Leinster today in the Champions Cup comfortable win for them today over Bath Ashling O'Reilly was watching this Leinster 45 Bath 20 it was Leinster who dominated the first half and led by 18 points at the break well first half tries from James Lowe Tyke Furlong Hugo Keenan and two from Jameson Gibson Park Ronan Kelleher opened the scoring of the second half making full sure he was getting that try as he was pulled down meters from the line he managed to get back to his feet to plow over the line and Ross Byrne converted Bath's Orlando Bailey's kicking has been on point giving them some hope here today but the tries continued for Leinster as Josh van der Fleer pounced in the corner to get Leinster's second try of the second half followed once again by a Ross Byrne conversion Bath did get one back with a last minute try from Gabriel Hammerweb but it was Leinster who were too strong in every aspect here today Leinster emptied their bench with Keane Healy Devon Toner coming on and European debuts for Dan Sheehan Tommy O'Brien and Michael Aletto Tyke Furlong was outstanding and picked up the man of the match and a full time score here at the Aviva Stadium was Leinster 45 20. Impressive stuff there from Leinster today. Ulster currently in action. They are away to Claremont. That got underway at half past five. Latest score from there is Ulster are leading by 16 points to nil. In basketball today and of the Cork sides in action in the Super Leagues and the Women's Super Leagues. Uh, Matthews have beaten DCU Mercy 66 points to 61 Glamire have had a big win over Trinity Meteors 113 to 40 is how they have won today and in the Men's Super League CNS Neptune away to DBSN at 7 o'clock Tradehouse Central Balancholic on the road to face Griffith College at Temple Oak at the same time Boxing and Kenny Taylor in action tonight. Cannot wait for this one going up against Kazakhstan's Feruza Sharapova in Liverpool. Katie Taylor putting her undisputed 
lightweight titles on the line tonight. It's going to be a very, very interesting bout. Going here briefly from Katie Taylor speaking in uh, the uh, pre-bout press conference which happened yesterday um, I'm very aware of the challenge on Saturday night I, I haven't overlooked this opponent at all um, I'm, I know what she brings I am prepared for whatever comes away on Saturday night I'm also aware that there's so many big fights out there for me uh, that the bigger, the bigger names uh, that could possibly happen next year so I have to get through Saturday night first uh, and then we can obviously uh, focus on, on the bigger fights ahead Obviously, motivation is key, something that you don't lack. But all of these younger fighters seem to be coming into these fights as you being an idol of theirs, now a rival of theirs, a chance for them out of nowhere to become undisputed champion. You saw with Alicia Baumgarder recently just, you know, rocked up as an underdog and dethroned Terry Harper. Very, very dangerous kind of fights against really motivated fighters. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. Like, you're seeing so many upsets this year already in the boxing world. Um, when people have, have maybe gone to ring underprepared or overlooking certain opponents, but um, I know that that, that that obviously can't happen. I made that mistake before as an amateur fighter, where I have overlooked opponents, where I've actually been beaten in fights as an amateur, so I, I have learned that lesson the hard way, I guess. Um, so I'm 100% prepared coming into this fight, 100% focused, and I'm ready to put in a big performance. Obviously as well, just one final one. First fight in Liverpool. I remember when you boxed in Manchester, the atmosphere was incredible. Will be another brilliant atmosphere on Saturday. Looking forward to a great atmosphere and great card yeah, in the arena. I can't wait. This is a, such an amazing card. So It's uh, so many packed, uh, packed fights. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere and an amazing night and full of... Uh, there's so many Irish people travelling over for the fight as well, so it's going to be a loud, a loud arena on Saturday night. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to get in there and perform. Yeah, really looking forward to watching Kelly Taylor fight tonight. Should be around nine-ish and half nine-ish. Don't quote me on that in case you turn on and miss it. But I reckon nine, half nine, Katie Taylor will be in the ring tonight. Should be an absolutely cracking, cracking boat. Cannot miss uh, a Katie Taylor fight. Uh, motorsport, this is going to be a box office tomorrow. Uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, season ender. Max Verstappen is going to start from the front in the title decider. He qualified just ahead of Lewis Hamilton in second. The pair are level on points heading into the final race of the season. That dive into the first corner is going to be absolutely electric. Don't blink. Don't even breathe when that is happening. That is going to be absolutely incredible. Cannot wait to watch that one tomorrow. And uh, Hobart is to host its first ever Ashes test after the Tasmanian City was chosen as a replacement venue for the fifth match between England and Australia. It's been moved from Perth where the coronavirus travel restrictions made it logistically too difficult to be played there. Australia leaving the series uh, 1-0 after the test in Brisbane earlier on in the week. Right, going to kick off the show with football and Cork City have signed Rory Keating from Galway United. The 26-year-old scored nine times under John Caulfield last season. He's a former Finn Harps and Sligo attacker as well. Aidan spoke to him yesterday. I am delighted to be joined on the line by one of Cork City's new signings for the 2022 season, Rory Keating. Uh, Rory, a hectic week for yourself, no doubt. Thanks for taking time to speak with us. No problem at all. Uh, first of all, I suppose, how does it feel to be a Cork City player? Feels great. Yeah, it's a huge club and um, a club I definitely uh, wanted to play for. Um, and I'm, I just can't wait to get going. I'm delighted to be to be uh, here this year, and yeah, just excited to get going. Of course, uh, you would have faced Cork City last season uh, when you were with Galway United, and of course, you had uh, John Caulfield as well as a coach. Um, you made the playoffs last season, and I'm sure you'll be looking to go on further with, with City in 2022 and and get the club back to where it belongs. 
yeah definitely um, we were pipped to the post really not, not necessarily the post last year but you know we, it's tricky when you get to the playoffs you know anything can happen and it's it's knockout football really and uh, yeah it's, it's it's a difficult one but um, now it's playing against Cork this year and you know down on Turner's Cross and speaking to Colin and you know what he's trying to, to build here and plans going forward it's, it's a very exciting opportunity for myself and uh, definitely one I want to be a part of and please God we can you know mount a strong challenge this year and uh, win the league and stay away from the playoffs if we can and, and go straight up You'll be one of the most uh, experienced players in the team next year at just the age of 26 um, you've played here in Ireland obviously and, and also with Torquay in England will it be strange for you at what's still quite a young age to be one of those leaders next year is it something you're looking forward to? No, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I suppose every year you, you know, you're always gaining that extra bit of experience as as the seasons come to an end and a new one starting. So now it's just over the last couple of seasons, I suppose, last year uh, and and this year now coming. I think it's it's something that I've I've relished and you know trying to help others and young lads in my position uh, in particular and anybody else you know that needs a bit of advice or wants to talk to me about anything you know I've, I've definitely enjoyed being that that kind of figure in a team and even though you say I'm only 26 you know be, being that uh, experienced head uh, I'm still quite young you know but it's 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 definitely it's definitely a part of my game that I'm really enjoying and, and, and uh, I just hope I can take it now with me into Cork and uh, hit the ground running how big a factor was that that time you spent in England playing with Turkey and uh, building that experience outside of Ireland? Oh, it was huge. Yeah, I don't think I'd be the player I am today, to be honest with you, if I hadn't experienced that in the UK. It's it's definitely something um, I'd encourage everybody to do. You know, if you get the chance to play in the UK, it's it's definitely a, a great experience and it's it's a great life over there. You know, football's like a religion. Um, three o'clock on a Saturday you know everything everything kind of shuts down and it's just football until until tea time so it's yeah it's, it's brilliant over there and it was a brilliant experience and definitely um, one that's helped me um, as, as I've gone on in my career I'm sure you'll be looking forward to scoring plenty of goals in the shade as well at Turner's Cross next season I hope so yeah that's the plan anyways well Rory it's been a pleasure to chat to you uh, enjoy the Christmas break and uh, best of luck with Cork City you too thank you very much thanks for having me take care yeah, great signing for Cork City. That's Rory Keating in conversation with Aidan. Yes, they signed from Galway United. Uh, spent a bit of time as well at Gateshead and Torquay um, over the last couple of years. Finn Harps as well, Stagger Rovers. Plenty of experience, nine goals last year for Galway. So it'll be fantastic to see him in Cork City colours. Uh, Bennett O'Brien Whitmarsh, meanwhile, has left Cork City. He signed for Cove Ramblers. Uh, the club have announced, so uh, best wishes uh, to Bennon down in Cove. He'll sure, do fantastic. They're a fantastic player. Bags of talent, bags of potential. And uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do in Cove Ramblers' colours. Right, still uh, on action on the field at Carrow Road. Still scores between Norwich and Manchester United. Seems to be all Man United from what I've been seeing. Just have a half nine it while we're doing the show. But Manchester United uh, on the attack here, trying to, to find the opener. Uh, but yeah, still score us there in just a couple of seconds left until half time. We'll get your half time report on that one in just uh, a little bit. Uh, now, though, we are going to hear from uh, Conan Byrne because he and Brendan Clark are on a mission to raise funds for Make a Wish. The uh, former Shelburne star and his uh, former teammate, former Shelburne goalkeeper Brendan Clark are going to visit all 20 League of Ireland grounds uh, f- uh, from 2021 um, and try and hit the crossbar from the halfway line. Now, they have been doing this 
all weekend. Uh, I've been seeing videos of them do it. And they're going to be in Cork tomorrow. So Aidan uh, called up at Conan to chat about it. And uh, this is their chat. Uh, we have a very special guest on the line, a man who is trying to hit the crossbar in every league of Ireland ground. That's 20 in all for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Conan Byrne, uh, Conan, thanks for joining us, first of all. Thanks very much for having me, Aidan. Thank you. Uh, yourself and Brendan Clark, uh, Shell's keeper, of course, are teaming up for this. And uh, first of all, how did you come up with the idea? Well, myself and Brendan were teammates at St. Patrick's Athletic back a couple of years ago. And before every training session, we'd have a little bit of fun trying to hit the crossbar um, before training actually started. So kind of the idea came from then, being completely honest. And then it was only in the last couple of months that we decided to put the put our talk into action and um, we decided to go for Make-A-Wish as Make-A-Wish is such a wonderful charity that it's been really hampered during this pandemic and there are currently over 200 children waiting for wishes to be granted so um, wouldn't it be an awful shame if those kids with life-threatening illnesses aren't given that wish Absolutely and of course there's always such a close uh, tie-in as well with with sport and Make-A-Wish as well Absolutely yes we've seen a lot of ambassadors over the last number of years being involved with Make-A-Wish and um, yeah that that's it's just a, we're, we're both fathers of young children as well and we know how lucky we are to have healthy children and um, can only imagine how difficult it is for for parents and families that have that have children with life threatening illnesses. Absolutely, and, and and you start tomorrow, of course, fittingly, I suppose, in Richmond Park, as you said, it's, it's where kind of it, it all stems from your your days at St Pat's. Yeah, we start off in in Inchicore. That was kind of the idea behind it. We, we kind of our most of our success has been at that club, so why not start there and and make our way north. Um, where we go, we'll take in Daly Mountain and, and Talca Park, and then up the M1 to Drada Dundalk, up to Derry Finn Harps, and we finish Saturday uh, in Sligo, and then we, we stay in Sligo, and then um, we arrive down to Cork then Sunday evening um, after taking in the Midlands clubs and and Galway and Treaty then on on Sunday afternoon. Uh, do you have fellas uh, on hand in case floodlights are needed at any stage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thankfully Declan Carey and Mick Ring down in Cork City are going to be looking after us down there. So uh, we've advised them that there is a very, very good possibility that we will need the floodlights on. And hopefully they won't be on for too long, though, Ed. Uh, how can people stay up to date and, uh, I suppose, get involved, donate? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, through, our, through social media, we have a fantastic uh, content creator in Paul Madjenovic. Um, he's going to be with us the whole way around, taking videos and putting them up on social media. So if anybody was, is listening in that wants to follow us all the way around virtually, it, you just follow us on MAW Crossbar, which will take you right to all the action. Um, if you follow myself and Brendan as well, we'll obviously have up-to-date information and retweeting all the all different things. And all donations will be greatly appreciated. They're found on the site as well. And if you wanted just to go on to GoFundMe and type in our names, it'll come up straight away. Superb, absolutely uh, fantastic initiative. And, of course, you're your comrade and all this, uh, Brendan Clark. He'll be looking forward to, to life back in the, in the Premier Division uh, next season under Damien Duff, which is very exciting for the club. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a, a very interesting uh, Premier Division next season um, with all the comings and goings at all the clubs. It's it's usually the player merry-go-round. It's starting to be the managerial one this this year. But yeah, with Damien coming in, I think it's a it's it's great for great for the league. Bring brings up that bit of sparkle in, in, into it as well, given his experiences. 
his reputation within the game as well, um, his coaching prowess. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Shelburne get on. They're making some shrewd signings already, bringing in Mark Coyle um, from Finn Harps, um, and obviously the re-signings as well of club captain Luke Byrne and, and, and Brendan too. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting how, how Shelburne do, because the last time they got promoted, they went straight back down. So Damien will be hoping for, and, and that's all he should be hoping for, is to consolidate, consolidate themselves in the Premier Division next season. And of course, uh, as as mentioned, St. Pat's another club that that you both played for. Uh, it's been a strange couple of weeks. Uh, massive triumph winning the cup, and then uh, as you touched on, uh, the manager uh, uh, Stephen O'Donnell is going to to Dundalk. Um, it's qu- quite a strange couple of weeks. It's very strange, and, and you know what you, you say there. He's gone to Dundalk, but like he he, res- he put in his resignation last weekend, and we still haven't heard that it's been accepted by St. Pat's. First of all, and nothing out of Dundalk to say that he's going to be their new manager. Obviously, that's it's pointing that way. It looks as if it's going to happen, but it's, I'm just concerned about how long it's taking for this actual action to, to to take place. Where Stephen O'Donnell will become the new Dundalk manager. We saw Keith Ward leaving Bohemians, and there was talk that he was going to St Patrick's Athletic. And then all of a sudden, when Stevie O'Donnell put in his resignation, there was a quick U-turn in Keith's decision and going up to up to Dundalk. So it's very, it's all very, uh, it's all very fun and games, I suppose, for if you're the neutral. But it's. Um, it's going to be very interesting, though, where next season with Steve, as I said, Stephen O'Donnell got up to Dundalk. Like he's going to have a lot of a good budget next season to try and compete and get back into Europe. Will some of the players that are out of contract at St Patrick's Athletic will they want to follow him up? Uh, the M1 to Dundalk, perhaps. Um, I know that he's well, very well regarded in the St Pat's dressing room, so there could be a, um, a lot of. Co- uh, moving out of, uh, of St. Pat's. So Tim Clancy, the new manager of the club, will, 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 that's his first big test, will be to try to keep those players that have won them the FAI Cup last uh, this season. Yes, yeah, I suppose it's, it's kind of all in the thrills and spills with the League of Ireland, really. It's, it's kind of built into the heritage at this stage that there's, there's going to be uncertainty with, with, with most clubs going into a season. Um, Conan, look, the very best of luck over the weekend. Uh, I hope you have a good crack anyway. I hope you raise plenty of awareness and, and funds for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Thanks again for coming on. No, thank you. Thanks very much. That's Conan Byrne there in conversation with Aidan about his uh, crossbar challenge, which is uh, currently underway. I'm currently looking at NAW crossbar on Twitter and the lads have uh, just left Finn Park where Conan Byrne has smacked one off the crossbar fantastic stuff there and they're on the way now to the Brandywell my lads must be exhausted already at this point but uh, they are now uh, going to Stadium 7 of 20 before uh, they hit uh, come back on the way down so it would be fantastic uh, to see them hit all 20 uh, crossbars in core uh, well across the country and of course they are going to be in Cork tomorrow so very very best of luck indeed to them alright we're going to get a half time report now from uh, Carroll Road where Norwich are taking on Manchester United scores the break Guy Swindles Norwich nil, Manchester United nil. Injury hit Norwich have done well to get to the break without conceding a goal. United have had opportunities. Telles's fine free kick tipped onto the bar by Tim Krul. The keeper's also been responsible for two more fine saves. One after excellent work from Ronaldo. A skipping run that saw three players end up on their backside. He then shot and Krul tipped it round the post. He's also managed to tip a Maguire header that looked goal bound over the top of the bar. 
but it hasn't been one-way traffic. Rupp has had a couple of decent chances for Norwich. There was also another chance when the ball was just played behind Pukki, when he looked very well set. At the moment, Norwich being roared on, holding on. Norwich nil, Manchester United nil. All right, we're going to talk rugby for a bit and um, Munster naming their team for tomorrow's Champions Cup game uh, against Wasps in Coventry, of course, uh, without the bulk of their squad due to um, players uh, quarantining after returning from South Africa. Players are still in South Africa uh, following positive coronavirus tests. So there are five debutants in that Munster lineup: The Academy Quartet of Patrick Campbell, Scott Buckley, Owen O'Connor, uh, Daniel Okeke and senior prop James French. So they all come into the starting 15 tomorrow. In total, 12 players could make their senior Munster debuts with eight members of the Green Corps Munster Rugby Academy included. So it's uh, very, very interesting uh, heading into the game. Um, Johan van Gran has been isolating since he came back from South Africa. Uh, Ian Costello has been running things uh, at training. Um, in Van Grand's absence I was on the media call that took place uh, virtually earlier on in the week got a chance to hear from both Ian Costo and Johan Van Gran ahead of tomorrow's game so this is what they had to say Just in terms Johan um, um, you know for team selection for the coming weekend who's going to be picking the team and who's going to run the gig on Sunday if you understand Oh look Michael I I remind the coach um, now I'll, I'll pick the team uh, but want to reiterate, uh, Kazi is the, the man on the ground at this stage. Uh, we're meeting behind the scenes every day. We've got a coaches meeting every morning, uh, but Kazi is running the, the operation uh, on that side. Like I said, it's, it's, it's more the input of everybody to make sure we pick a competitive team that can, can go and represent us on, on Sunday. And whoever we pick, uh, we have full faith in to, to now go and put in a performance on, on Sunday. Um, you know, uh, some of our coaches might travel on Saturday, some of us might travel on Sunday, but that's yet to be determined. Uh, what we've once again learned is that Sunday is a very long way away from today. So let's just get through today. I'm definitely not, definitely not the boss that we've got. Everybody's in this together. I think, um, you know, Johan, all the coaches in the background, uh, it's very, as he said, it's very coordinated, very aligned. And it just feels like there's huge support. Um, and I think what I've really enjoyed not just in the last couple of weeks the last few months is how close uh, an organization how tight an organization it is and you know that was part of the reasons to come home to something or somewhere where it is special and i think in times like this, this that's really shone through and i just think uh, how tight everybody is in the hpc at the moment how connected everybody is to the three different groups has been incredible um yeah and it's hard to put that into words uh, michael i hope that you know comes out in the performance on sunday yeah, I think a uh, very similar situation actually to this time last year in that we was struggling a little bit in the Premiership. The Premiership is a grind each week. And then we played Clermont in Europe and it was um, an opportunity to uh, to play in a new competition, I suppose, a pressure off to a certain degree. So maybe a little bit different than the mentality in Munster. Um, and they have a tough group with us in Toulouse. And I think they'll fancy themselves at home. Um, I think they're a really good side on their day despite their form. Um, some very good individuals, very exciting brand of rugby. And I think, you know, probably to, to go back in what Peter said, our focus has to be at the moment completely on us because we're just pulling together as a team at the moment. Yes, we're dropping in little bits of information and we're doing work in the background, but we've, uh, we've a lot to get right ourselves in the next couple of days and probably later in the week we'll take a closer look at Wasps. 
with the squad you're working with at the moment at the HPC and, and even for, for the guys who are, you know, in hotel rooms like yourselves as well, when, when so many things have conspired against you over the course of the last couple of weeks, are you able to kind of spin it around and try almost embrace just the novelty of the occasion coming into a game like this? Yeah, I mean, luckily last season our, our theme were when, when COVID started, change or, or be changed. So we, we're well uh, used to change now. Uh, I'm not for one moment going to say if you told me two weeks ago this was going to happen that I could even imagine things happening at this stage. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not going to talk around that, but that's the beauty of rugby. And look, that's the beauty of, of the squad. Um, like Pete said earlier, it's certainly not the worst thing uh, that have happened. Nobody have passed away in the week. We're a strong group of people together. That's the beauty of Munster rugby. It's built on our community. And uh, we'll get through this. Uh, rugby is very secondary at this stage. Uh, we're going to pick a team for Sunday. We're going to fly over to, to Coventry. Uh, we're going to play the game and we're going to give it our best shot. And, um, you know, that, that shows again the, the spirit of Munster rugby. Was there ever was it ever considered at any stage, like taking short term loans of um, any players from any other provinces or any other clubs, or was like when was the decision made that let's just go with what we have here? Well, the decision at first was, um, you know, do we have enough resources at, at Munster Rugby? The answer is a definite yes. Uh, we never look to the outside. Uh, we're looking at our homegrown players first. Uh, we've got a very well-aligned professional academy and domestic game between Kazi and Colin McMahon. There's been excellent work on the ground. And now it's it's certainly in the, the five years that I've been here, the most aligned that we have been. So it was never a case, oh, are we going to play? Yes, we're going to play this game. Uh, and we're going to supplement that from players from all over the province. And we're going to give it our best shot. And we're going to back guys in a Munster jersey on Sunday afternoon. Perfect. And just the last one for me is just, um, you know, what, what's being done for the guys that are back in South Africa? Are you guys kind of still in touch with them? Is there anything being done for, you know, their mental health? If they want to talk to anybody, um, are you guys in touch with them every day? Just kind of wondering what the situation is is there. Yeah, look, I, I, I have to reiterate, um, I, I've spoken about this before, is the values of, of rugby, which respect is the main one in, in my view. Uh, the South African Rugby Union, um, uh, my players under Eugene Henning uh, are two logistical men on the ground, Kibon and Warren. They've been excellent. The hotel uh, guys have, have watt bikes and, and playstations. Uh, they've, they've looked after them so well. Uh, we are in contact, obviously, with technology. Uh, it's quite easy to call a team meeting. They're all in good spirit and you know, it's uh, we we all connected, and uh, we focus so much on the connection. From a from a mental wellness point of view, player well, welfare stays the most important. We are not rugby players, we're not coaches, we're not SNC personnel. We are people, firstly, and you know, all credit again to Munster Rugby and the RFU for the way they've looked after their people over the last two weeks, and we'll continue to do so until the last person gets home. And uh, you know, I think it's it's important to to know as well. This isn't finished, meaning um, COVID's not going away. Guys are still in hotel rooms at home, so this will be an ongoing thing. And you know, fair play to Munster and RFU for the support that they've been given all of us. All right, thank you. Good luck. 
the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM and that is a very impressive uh, Johan van Grand speaking um, ahead of tomorrow's game with Was 3.15 the kickoff time for that one an absolute nightmare situation for Munster to be involved in but you heard from Johan van Grand there you heard from Ian Costello who's been holding things together at the High Performance Centre this week in Johan's absence uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Munster get on they couldn't possibly get a result tomorrow could they? We'll see, 3.15, the kickoff time for that one. Going to take a break. When we come back, going to preview more Nabby's Monster Final. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Rory here with you on the Big Red Bench until 7pm. Five minutes gone in the second half. Still scores between Norwich and Manchester United. We're going to switch our focus though and talk Gaelic Games and the Munster Senior Ladies Football Championship Club Final taking place tomorrow. More Nabby of Cork going up against Aherlow of Tipperary 2pm in Mallow is the start time Ger McCarthy will be there for us we'll have all the best reaction and analysis from Ger on tomorrow evening show but we're going to preview the final Ger's in conversation with Morabi's Breed O'Sullivan and uh, Maura O'Callaghan now, I'm delighted to be joined by two members of the Mornabi senior football team who go into Munster final action on Sunday against Aherlow of Tipperary. Delighted to be joined by Captain Breed O'Sullivan. Breed, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Millian. Good to talk to you again. We've been talking a bit this year, haven't we? Uh, yeah, yeah, a few times alright. Uh, that's always a good sign, I suppose. <laughs> it is, and you're always delighted to talk to Red FM, of course, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Likewise, Mauro Callan, welcome to the podcast. Good to speak to you as well. Thanks, Dara. Um, You're very welcome along. I'm going to start with you, Maura, actually, uh, and just looking back over that victory over Bally McCarbury uh, last weekend in the semi-final of the Munster Championship. It was at home, which was a key thing, I think, for you, but um, tough first quarter, nothing in it at all, but that second and third quarter, you really pulled away and put in a terrific performance. Yeah, we are happy with the performance with them, um, that we came away with in the end. I suppose, like, Bally McCarvey are a serious outfit, so anytime you put up a score like that against them, you know, you'd be really happy leaving the pitch, I suppose. I think with regards to the first quarter, like, it's always really tit for tat when a game starts, you know, like, very cagey and you're kind of just feeling each other out, I suppose. But we've been really working on kind of um, bringing the bringing the standard I suppose to the game and just going after it and not kind of being afraid to lose and just going to win so like even with attacking the kickouts I think we capitalised on that a good bit with um, putting her under a lot of pressure the Ballymac Carberry goalie and I think we um, built a lot of scores coming from that so I think that would be one of the ways where we just kind of attacked the game and as I said I suppose that was a game plan from the get-go but you know the first 15 minutes is always really cagey and you're a bit more kind of just trying to settle into the game we drove on from there then and I think that was a huge thing for us was going after those kickouts. How much more the physicality of that game like these games at this stage of the year are incredibly physical for people who don't have anything to watch ladies football they don't realise like the tackle count as well with something Shane Ronan alluded to afterwards the statistics showed that she had something like 50 tackles alone in the first half where you only had 33 in the whole of the county final against their own. I mean it was a real battle in there yeah, like it's always really physical um, with ourselves in Bally McCarberry and especially um, with the way the pitches, I found actually more nabby, like the pitches are getting really heavy with the last couple of weeks. Like I didn't really notice it in the game against the Banner, but I definitely noticed it now on Sunday. And I think the way the ball is slowed down, you know, it's I suppose it's easier to get hands on a player and to get those tackle counts up. But then I suppose on top of that, it's also something we are really working on is, you know, trying to really bring that intensity and just making it really uncomfortable for the opposition to be on the ball. 
Um, Breed, at uh, the same point to you, I mean, obviously, you know, it was a really tough physical encounter, as Maura said, you'd expect that against Bally McCarvey because of your history with them. How much did the game against the Banner help you uh, going into that Bally McCarvey game in, in Mallow, getting like a full, hard 60 minutes? And it was a decent game against the Banner as well. How, how helpful was that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that the scoreline against the Banner probably didn't reflect, like, how close the match was and how intense the match actually was. But um, I think that, you know, once you go outside of of core, like every team you're playing, you know, just plays with such high intensity, like they're 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 counties, county champions for a reason. So, you know, I think that in the Monster Championship and as you go on through the Monster Championship, I think every team that you come across, you know, does bring a certain amount of intensity to their game. And we definitely found that against Banner and against Bally McCarbury as well. Um, you were able to, you know, bring a lot of players off the bench at the end when you had a built up uh, an actual built up a decent lead, but like for the first quarter, first twenty minutes, they were really in the game and they missed a few ways and they might have even gone ahead. But is is it that experience that you've gained, Breed, in it, winning All Irelands and winning in Munsters previously that there's no panic? In the, there just doesn't seem to be any panic in this Morn Abbey team, and you were just you were going through the phases, doing what you planned to do, and playing the game on your terms. Yeah, I think you know, being able to control games like that or, you know, having a certain amount of control over games definitely comes with experience. Um, and we're lucky to have that experience on our side. But as well as that, we do have, you know, young players that are able to come in off the bench and make a difference. And even, you know, players that started the game the last day, like I think Anna Ryan was probably the youngest player in the pitch, but was probably one of our best players last, um, last Sunday as well. So I think it's good to have a mix. You know, we have that experience, but we also have youth on our side as well. Thank God. Yeah, in fairness, no. it's not exactly an old team at all by any means, but you are right. It's those younger players that are coming up from minor and like that 16 success that you had this year, which is fantastic as well. But as captain, Breed, is this an easy team to be a captain of? Or are they constantly moaning into your ear? <laughs> um, no, absolutely uh, easy to you to be captain of. You know, I think that we just have so many leaders in every part of the pitch, like Dave and goals, like the whole way up to like Laura Fitz in the full forward line. That I think that captain's kind of just the title, and I suppose that I had the honour of accepting um, trophies on behalf of all the girls. But we have so many players and so much experience, like you know the likes of Catherine and Roisin have junior, intermediate, and senior all Ireland from Royal Abbey. So you know. Um, their experience just goes without saying. So uh, definitely an easy bunch to, um, to be the captain of. <laughs> That's a very political answer. Fair play to you. I assume, Mara, from your spoil there, um, that, that, that you would agree with that, that Breed is the perfect captain and that you never <laughs> moan or complain to her at any point. No? <laughs> no, to be fair, I don't think she has ever have to deal with much aggro with us. <laughs> um, we, all, we all pretty much get on with it. Um, so, well, look, that's all I know of it anyway, unless Breed has had other people whispering in her ear. <laughs> Just on that point that Breed made, Maura, like there, there's quite a lot of youth in this panel and it's a huge panel and you need a big panel, as you know better than anybody, if you're going to be successful. But like, you can't vote. These are the games and these are the times of the year in December when it's all about experience and game management. How important is it that the young players that do come on, that train with you and that get to see that? How important is that for them when they, you know, when they get into that first team? Oh, it's hugely important. And like, I mean, I feel like a lot of those young players would have been kind of bled in earlier on in the year as well. So, you know, they're getting that taste of the senior, um, what it's like to play like a senior um, match. But like, I think like us all being calm all around really helps them slotting in as well. Like you're coming in and you're you're doing a job. Like it's not, it's 
there's nothing really to think about. You're just going in, you're doing what you were told. I'm sure there'd be a few words of wisdom from the management just before you go in there. And hopefully we're in a good place at the stage they're coming on that it's not really high intensity, but you know, they're always going to contribute. Like we have fantastic players on the bench, like youth and experience, you know, there's, it's not all young on the bench as well. So like there's people there who can come in and do a job and they'll finish out the game strong. Reid, how much does winning a Munster Championship mean to a team like Warren Abbey that's won so much? Um, I think that every year is different and um, I think that, you know, not having a Munster Championship last year and, you know, 2020 ended up being, I suppose, a disappointing year for us and we had a number of injuries and that, that I think that this year of all years um, could possibly mean more because, you know, there's lots of players, as we said, that have been on the road for a long number of years and, you know, 2020 might have been like, you know, might have been their last year or they might have seen it their last year and have decided to come back because they, you know, they didn't want to finish off their career at Moran Abbey, you know, having lost a Munster final and not having the opportunity to play in Munster. So I think that, you know, because of everything that's gone, gone on over the last 18 months with COVID and everything, I think that this year possibly, you know, means more, if not the exact same as any other year that we've gone out in Munster. And same for you, Mara. I mean, like Brida's outlined there, like it's a prestigious event, it's a prestigious trophy to be champions of Munster is a big thing. And it's not like you're not used to winning it, but has that gap, does it feel weird this year that you, it's so long since you've, you've been involved? Yeah, I think it definitely feels really strange. And like, as, as Braid alluded to, like last year was a, dis- a disappointing year for us. And it, it does feel strange to be, you know, at this kind of business end, real business end of the championship and going forward into Munster. It is like, it's a huge honour. And like, it's something before we got on this, like, run, I suppose we'd only have dreamed of it. Like, you know, um, so like, it's definitely something that we don't take lightly. And it is brilliant to be like at the real business end. And, you know, the games are kind of snappy enough. I know... Like, I think the Munster Championship is the last game now on this side of Christmas, but, like, it's it's great to have the game snappy out, you know, every couple of weeks. It's bad, I suppose, if you get an injury, but it's it's good, you know, and that it's all really go-go. It's exciting, like. Yeah, it does kind of fill up the year more at this point. Like, it's hard to believe that Christmas is only a couple of weeks away, but it's only, I think it was the last All-Ireland final before last year. It would have been five days before Christmas in the middle of COVID. So the season seems to be going, it seems all year round, though, is what I'm kind of getting at. Does that feel like, is it as a player like yourself, with your experience and what you've won, that the last couple of years, you're just going constantly all the way through the year? Um, I suppose, yeah, it is kind of expanding early um, every year, but, you know, it's like I'd, I take it that, you know, it's, it's good, it's great to still be involved in this stage of the year. Like, you know, you could look at it the other way that you're like, oh God, I'm, I'm allergic now to going back in January, but like, it's it's great to be involved this late. You know, it really means that you're getting as far as much as you can out of the year. And like while going into pre-season training, like might seem like a bit of a slog, but you have like you have to do it, and it's, it's like you're going with another different bunch. If we're going back with Cork in January, you know it's great to see those girls again as well. So you just like I suppose it depends how you look at it, but it's nice to be continue to be involved for as long as possible. Indeed, it is. And breathe the challenge that faces you on Sunday is far from an easy one. This is an Aharoa team from Tipperary who held. A very highly fancied and regarded Southern Gales team to six points, nine six in the semi final. I know weather may not have been, or weather weather may well have been a factor in that. But I would imagine your manager, from his knowledge of the temporary scene as well, will know and be well versed on just how good a team the Saharo uh, club is. Yeah, like um, you know, Ballymac have probably been our biggest rivals in Munster for the last 
um, five or six years, them and the banner. So we've actually never come across Aherlo. So as players, I think that we kind of don't know what to expect. And um, in ways, that's obviously a positive thing, but um, it can be hard to prepare properly for it as well. You know, I think sometimes it's good to kind of know, know what you're, know what you have yourself in for. But, you know, as you said, Shane knows um, a lot about tip ladies football from his experience of training them over the last number of years. So he'll definitely have their homework done on them and, um, you know, will pass on anything that needs to be passed on to us. And same to you, Maura. I mean, obviously Shane's experience in, in Tipperary is going to be a big benefit to you here in terms of acknowledging who the players and danger players are. Uh, but from your own point of view, from the way you've been speaking, it's, this is all about Mornabi doing what Mornabi needs to do, controlling your own game and controlling the controllables, as the saying goes. Yeah, 100%. Like, I suppose there there always does need to be a bit of homework done on the other team just to, to identify, you know, the key, key threats. But then at the end of the day, it really is just about bringing what we have to the table and performing as, like, to the highest possible standard we can perform to. And I think, as you said, like, controlling the game, like, is something we're really, really working on. And, like, even the game against the banner, like, we never really hit full tilt, but we still ground out a victory. And, like, no, there was no panic. Like, I know... Like, I suppose none of us would have been that hugely happy with our performance. But we still, like, kept the shoulders to the wheel and just got the results. So I think that is something that we've really learned along the way. And I know Braid alluded to about the experience, but we're really lucky to have that experience now with us. And I think we're old enough and bold enough now to realise that we, it's all, like, it's all about what we perform at the end of the day, really, like. I won't comment on the old enough, but the bold enough. Uh, oh, that can be interpreted. I've seen some Instagram posts in recent weeks of some of the players, as you're fully entitled to do, enjoying yourselves. Um, is it fair to say, Bree, that as the years have gone on, you've gotten very adept at knowing how to celebrate properly? And the manager may be listening to this, so just, you know, mind your words here. Um, the celebrations is never something that we found difficult to get our head around. I think it just came naturally. Mm what we were doing there um so no training needed but um yeah no i think that um you know this year the monster champ or the county championship and this monster championship has you know just been a breath of fresh air having had a tough year last year so no no matter um how sunday goes you know we'll 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 um, have a few drinks afterwards but hopefully we'll be we'll be celebrating very well very diplomatically and well said and mara from your point of view one thing i noticed about this Mornabi team for a team that's been as successful as you have for so long very easy for you know people to get sick of each other it's not just you like any football team or any Kamogi team but I, I genuinely don't see that they just seem like you tear the heads off each other like all good football teams do when you're out in the pitch but you can see just even from the celebrations and from the photographs and stuff there is a genuine connection within this panel yeah I, I like 100% I know it always sounds cliche but like we do all just get on so well like as in we're all really close friends outside of being on the team the same football team so like there's always a bit of crack you know we know how to get the tra- get the training done but like you know there'd be chitting, chitting and chatting Shane sometimes has to tell us to cop on and you know tune in for training but like we all do really get on and like from the young players to the old players there's no real segregation like so there definitely is like it's really enjoyable to be a part of a team that is so close and just finally, Breed, I mean, all jokes aside, this is, it's great to be where you are at this point of the year to still be involved in Munster with the possibility, we don't know yet, of going into an All-Ireland series in the new year. But from your own point of view and your team's point of view, this is where you want to be. This is where you planned and this is what you trained and fought for. Um, it's not going to be easy this weekend against Aherlow. It is a little bit of the unknown. 
as you actually alluded to there, but I would imagine you're very much looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as Maura said there a while ago, like um, at, when it comes to the stage of the year, you're just happy to be still training because if you're still training at this stage of the year, it means you're still in the championship. So, you know, I think it's all about um, performance and we're going to try and, you know, control the game as much as we can. And, you know, we've learned over the years, like the importance of, you know, keeping our heads and, and you know, trying to control the game as much as possible. So we're definitely going to try and do that on um, Sunday and hopefully enjoy it and hopefully be celebrating afterwards. Uh, yes, I assume the celebrations afterwards, Mara, if there is any. Um, that won't be a good time to ring you to come on a podcast, no? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> I'd like to, because if we get some serious quotes, but we won't. But listen... You have a huge match ahead of you this weekend. It's a tough opponent in Aharoff and Tipperary. They've come through just like yourselves, deservedly to be there. We've been there with you every step of the way here on the big red bench. We wish you all the best in Sunday's final. We'll be there to get the reaction um, as afterwards as well. Hopefully it's a happy one. Um, but until then, uh, Breed and Mara, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, and the big red bench on Cork's Red FM and very best of luck to Moran Abbey against Aharol tomorrow 2 o'clock in Mallow is the start time Gerard will be there follow us on at big red bench on Twitter for live score updates and we'll have all the best reaction coming up on the big red bench tomorrow night from 6pm and if you want to hear more from Moran, Moran Abbey you can check out the Women in Sport podcast which is available on redfm.ie or from wherever you get your podcasts um, so you can get that there uh, still scores between Manchester United and Norwich City at Carrow Road it hasn't been a good performance by Manchester United at all they've had a lot of ball have done very little with it uh, so still scoreless there 67 minutes on the clock there but uh, that's pretty much it from us tonight thanks very much indeed for tuning our way on the Big Red Bench tonight we're back tomorrow from 6 I'll be back in the hot seat tomorrow evening a uh, packed show coming your way tomorrow as well going to be talking as I mentioned, reaction from Mornabi uh, coming up. We are going to uh, be talking about Katie Taylor's fight. We're going to be talking about Monster. And we've got a, an in-depth interview with uh, outgoing Cork Piero, Joey Blake, about his uh, tenure uh, as Piero over the last three years and Cork GA as a whole. So be sure and tune in for that tomorrow evening from 6pm on Cork's Red FM. Our podcast will be available shortly. You can get that on redfm.ie or you can get it from wherever you download your podcasts from. So be sure and check that out. And if you miss any of our show tonight, we had Rory Keating on, the new Cork City signing from Galway United, scored nine goals for Galway last season. Looking forward to seeing him in the green of Cork City next season. We've got that. Uh, we've also got uh, Conan Byrne, who was on to talk about the crossbar challenge from Make-A-Wish. You can get that. Uh, that was on earlier on in the show as well. And, of course, we heard from Johan van Gran ahead of Munster's Clash with Wasps tomorrow. Something of a, a mission impossible for the Reds tomorrow. Um, but you never know. And with Munster, you never, never, ever, ever know um, how it's going to go. And when their backs are to the wall, that's when they perform best. So really looking forward to watching that game tomorrow. We're back tomorrow from 6. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Stevie's up next with the block party and we'll talk to you then. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.